Sankulam is pervaded. Hari Pada, at the two lotus feet of Hari, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Anati, by obeisances. Matra, simply, Dristai, are obtained. Vaidurya, Lapis, Lazuli. Marakata, emeralds. Hema, gold. Mayai, made of. Vimanai, with Vimanai, with airplanes. Yesha, of those passengers. Brihat, large. Katitata, hips. Smita, smiling, shobi, beautiful. Mukya, faces, Krishna, in Krishna, Atmanam, whose minds are absorbed, Na, Nat, Raja, sex desire, Adatu, stimulate, Utsmaya Adhyay, by intimate, friendly dealings, laughing, and joking. Translation, the inhabitants of Vaikuntha travel in their airplanes made of lapis lazuli, emerald, and gold. Although crowded by their consorts, who have large hips and beautiful smiling faces, they cannot be stimulated to passion by their mirth and beautiful charms. In the material world, opulences are achieved by materialistic persons by dint of their labor. One cannot enjoy material prosperity unless he works very hard to achieve it. But the devotees of the Lord, who are residents of Vaikuntha, have the opportunity to enjoy a transcendental situation of jewels and emeralds. Ornaments made of gold bedecked with jewels are achieved not by working hard, but by the benediction of the Lord. In other words, devotees in the Vaikuntha world or even in this material world cannot be poverty-stricken as, as is sometimes supposed. They have ample opulences for enjoyment, but they need not labor to achieve them. It is also stated that in the Vaikuntha world, the consorts, of the, the consorts of the residents are many, many times more beautiful than we can find in this material world, even in the higher planets. It is specifically mentioned here that a woman's large hips are very attractive and they stimulate man's passion. But the wonderful feature of Vaikuntha is that although the women have large hips and beautiful faces and are decorated with ornaments of emeralds and jewels, the men are so absorbed in Krishna consciousness that the beautiful bodies of the women cannot attract them. In other words, there is enjoyment of the association of the opposite sex, but there is no sexual relationship. The residents of Vaikuntha have a better standard of pleasure, so there is no need of sex pleasure. Om Ajnana Timurandusya Vinanjana Salakaya Chakshurun Militam Jina Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Stapitam Jina Bhutale Svayam Rupakadam Ayam Dadati Svapadandikam Pandeham Sri Guru Sri Yutapadakamalam Sri Gurum Vaishnavam Sha Sri Rupam Sagarjatam Sahagana Raghunathan Vitam Tam Sadivam Sadvaitam Savarutam Bhanijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakan Vitanscha He Krishna Karuna Sindha Dina Vanda Jagatvate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Tapta Kanchanago Rangi Radhe Vrindavanishwari Rishavanu Sute Devi Panamami Hari Priye Panchakalpa Turubhyascha Krupa Sindhu Vihibacha Patitanam Bhavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha Jaya Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda 
Shri Advaita Budadhar Shivasari Gauravaktarinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So we have special guests. We're here and now we're not here, but we have this Prabhu here. What's your name, Prabhu? Govind. Govind? Thank you. Hare Krishna. Thanks for being here. Um, there's a couple of topics here. Uh, wealth and sex attraction. And coincidentally, they tend to go together. There was one, uh, I don't know if it's a common expression in other cultures, but... Uh, these Asian ladies once told me, no money, no honey. <laughs> so, uh, this is the opulence, probably saying in the material world is, is by dint of hard labor. And um, although one time Prabhupada said, what is their opulence? It's plastic. He said, formerly, women had very nice bangles, gold bangles and jewels and so on. But now, probably, I think he was in L.A. And he was commenting how the poor girls, they have plastic bangles, you know. So this is Kali Yuga. Opulence is manifest in plastic. There was a, uh, there was a television show back in the 60s called The Beverly Hillbillies. And... Uh, there was this, uh, these country bumpkins, as they call them, uh, wherever they were, they're in the South, U.S., somewhere, and they, he was hunting, and he misshot, and he, he hit a, an oil reserve or something in his, in his property, and he became super wealthy, and then they moved out to Los Angeles, and it was this, you know, comedy yeah, thing, but... Or Texas? Texas tea. Yeah, Texas tea. Yeah. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. <laughs> so, uh, that was part of the song. So, and the plastic comes from petroleum. So, you see, this, you know, I, I was just noting this morning, because I, I was, I made a few notes, and I was looking around in my little apartment, I was thinking, boy, there's a lot of plastic here. You know, like the containers and the bags and the, the appliances and you know now the cars are half made out of plastic and um, and the furniture they have this particle board with a laminated plastic you know fake wood you know so what is the real opulence um, so Prabhupada is describing here you know this in the in the spiritual world there's abundance of jewels and beautiful garments, and we hear about in Vrindavan too, the residents of Vrindavan were just odd, very opulent palaces. And, you know, we think of it as being like this simple cowherd village, but there, there there's descriptions of all these very opulent palaces, Nanda Maharaj and Queen, Queens. And, and uh, when there were festivals, you know, everybody would be decked out and just very beautiful uh, garments and so on. So. But the contrast is by the hard work of the materials. And even you may work hard, but you may not get it. There are a lot of people working hard that aren't getting the opulence. But the, the, uh, the promise is by working hard, I'll achieve 
some some opulence. Um, so, and vehicles. Here we're talking to the airplanes, the vimanya, v. What is it? What's the word? No word for word. The, for, for vimanai with airplanes. So if you're really wealthy in, in the material world, you get a private jet, right? That's like a real sign of you're really wealthy, you get a private jet. So here the residents of Vaikuntha, they all have private airplanes, but they're made out of jewels and they don't pollute the air and they're not... Uh, um, and then Prabhupada talks about how um, the, the devotees in the, in the Vaikuntha world or even in the material world cannot be poverty-stricken as it is sometimes supposed. So why do we see oftentimes that devotees are not opulent? And uh, there was a, there's a story of Rigumuni. He was commissioned by a group of sages to investigate who was the supreme deity of, the, of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. And without going into the whole story, but the last deity he approached was Lord Vishnu, and he actually, he progressively committed greater and greater offenses. He committed a mental offense to Brahma, who became angry, but he checked his anger. And Shiva, his brother, um, who affectionately came to embrace him, he shunned him. So he committed an offense, um, and, he, and he said, he, he had many disparaging words, you live in a crematorium, you spread your body with ashes and hang out with hobgoblins and so on. So I don't want to embrace you. And then he became angry, but Parvati checked him. But Vishnu, he committed the corporal offense, so he, he kicked Vishnu in the chest. And it's described that Lakshmi, his, the Lord's consort, ever since that time has withdrawn her opulence to the Brahmins. Because <laughs> he committed that offense. But but we see that throughout the Lord's pastimes, there, there's this variety. There are some that are very, very renounced externally, um, sannyasis and sages and so on. Prabhupada was describing Raghunath Das Goswami. He was born in a very opulent family, but he was so attracted to join Lord Chaitanya and his, his mother and father were worried. They saw he's, he's restless, he wants to leave home. So he said, let's get him a very beautiful wife and a really nice home. They set him up in a real nice, and but still the, the wife was concerned. We should, maybe we should shackle him, like in prison, shackle. And then the husband said, you're foolish. He's got the, the, the biggest shackles, you know, the strongest shackles in the material world, a beautiful wife and a nice, comfortable home. You know, if that can't shackle him, nothing will. So Raghunath Das Goswami went, eventually did go join Lord Chaitanya. And at first he was given some uh, commission from his father because his father was concerned, well, let me take care of my son. And he was sending him, I think it was 400 rupees a month, which in those days was probably quite a lot, and servants. So first he accepted it, but then he thought, what is this? I'm taking up a life of a mendicant, but I'm living on the wealth of my father so he, he he and he was actually inviting he wasn't using the money for himself he was inviting lord chaitanya and his associates for for nice lunch so at a certain point after he gave up this commission from his uh, his mother and father 
Um, then he stopped inviting Lord Chaitanya for lunch. So Sarup Damodar Goswami, who was commissioned to be his mentor uh, by Lord Chaitanya, he, uh, Lord Chaitanya inquired from Sarup Damodar, why, why are we not getting these nice invitations for, for Raghunath Das? And, and Sarup Damodar said, well, he's given up this, this uh, allowance or, from his father. So Lord Chaitanya was very pleased, but, but how is he eating? So he's standing outside the temple and he gets some, uh, he, he waits for the temple priest to give him some prasada. So he was doing that for a few days, but then he stopped doing that. Lord Chaitanya inquired, because he didn't see him there, and he inquired again, well, what, what's he doing now? He's, oh, now, uh, he just gets the rice, that, the, the leftover rice when they wash, you know, rice, and then there's some rice that goes down the drain or whatever, so he picks that up, and that's what he's eating. So Lord Chaitanya again was very pleased. And he came to Raghunath's house, or whatever he was staying, his room, and there was some of this rice that was in a pot or something, and Lord Chaitanya was snatching some of that rice, and he said, oh, you have such nice prasad here, why aren't you inviting us for, uh, for lunch? And uh, Raghunath was so embarrassed, you know, oh, my Lord, you eat this discarded rice and so on. But, so that's one level of renunciation that one is, very renounced like that, but, but there are also many, just like Ramananda Roy, he was very opulent, he was a government minister, and, but he was actually instructing Lord Chaitanya in the highest um, tattvas, of, you know, rasa tattvas, um, you know, the highest teachings, and he lived a, you know, an opulent life as a government minister, or uh, there there are quite a few examples, and, and interesting also was the story of Sudam Brahman, who was very, very poor. He and his wife is described in, in, in the Leela that they were, they were so skinny from not eating, their ribs were showing. You know? So his wife encouraged Sudam to go to, go to Dwarka and, and your, your old friends with Krishna, he can certainly you know, take care of you know, It wasn't so much for her, she was worried about her husband. You know, I'm worried about you, go back. So the Brahmana, Sudam Brahman, uh, he, he was not so inclined to ask for anything from the Lord, but he thought, well, it'll be a good excuse to go get darshan, you know? So, so he went and, and Krishna received him with such um, uh, veneration, worshiped him. He was being fanned, I think Krishna was being fanned by Rukmini and then he, when, when the Brahman Sudam came, then Krishna got off his bedstead or wherever he was sitting and, and put Sudam Brahman there and was worshiping him. And, and all the residents of the palace were like intrigued, who is this Brahman? You know, and he was all dressed in dirty, kind of tattered clothes and like, who is this, this Brahman? So, uh, and then he never had, he had brought some paltry chipped rice his wife had gathered, you know, before he went to bring some offering to the Lord. So uh, he, he had it bundled up in a little cloth and, and, and Krishna captured it from him and, you know, and he was so embarrassed and, and he said this, you know, this is the most relishable thing, this paltry chipped rice. And so anyways, the idea was that he was so renounced and then when he went back, after he never asked the Lord for anything, he was just so satisfied. But when he went back, his whole home had been transformed into an opulent house and uh, beautiful 
men and women, parks, and so on. His wife was all beautiful and everything. But it's very interesting is that Jiva Goswami notes, this is from the 10th canto, there's a comment, um, my Guru Maharaj in his translation and purports, he makes a note that Jiva Goswami said that Sudan Brahman was a little attached to, he had a little bit of pride remaining that needed to be purified because he was a little proud of his renunciation. I'm very, very detached. So Krishna gave him all these opulence to help him overcome that pride of being very renounced. So, so even, so it's not so much the external display of renunciation, but it's, it's more of an internal state where one is um, humble and simply whatever is in my possession, I offer it to the Lord, just like Kolobeja Sridhar. He was a very poor banana leaf salesman. Lord Chaitanya used to come and barter with them all the time. And he, he was it was so cheap, you know, banana leaves in Bengal are just like everywhere. And here he was a banana leaf in plates or cups or something. And Lord Chaitanya would up, would haggle with them. You know, you're charging too much, you're charging too much. So uh, so here's another example of someone very, very announced, but so detached, he was still giving 50% of his income to the worship of the Ganges. So, uh, it's not so much the external display of renunciation, but it's more the internal that, that everything belongs to Krishna, everything should be used in Krishna's service. Rupa Goswami's famous Yukta Vairagya principle that, you know, that the real renunciation means to engage everything at our disposal in the Lord's service. Because there's the whole idea that we renounce something that, that doesn't belong to us in the first place, that's, all, that's already a miscalculation. To think that I'm renounced, it never belonged to you in the first place. So that's that's sort of like a lower level of renunciation is to to think that I'm going to give things up that never really belonged to me in the first place. That's I mean it's it's a step in the right direction, but it's really it's not mature, but it's a step in the right direction. So so that's something about wealth and. Um, so then, then the purport Prabhupada segues into how the residents, even though they're very beautiful women, the men are not um, bewildered or attracted. And, and uh, so this is, Prabhupada writes in the first, very first verse, the first canto, Prabhupada describes that um, the whole material civilization is the focal point of sex, either subtle or gross. And, and Prabhupada, this mode of passion, which is ultimately the transformation of our pure love for Krishna in contact with the mode of passion, this love for Krishna is transformed into lust or material desire in general. Kama means material desire. More specifically, it, 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 because the pinnacle of material desire is, is sex, so that it often refers to you know, sex, but in general it just means material desire. So the transformation of our pure love for Krishna, transformed into lust, Krishna or Arjuna says, you know, how are people impelled to act even unwillingly to engage in sinful acts as if engaged by force? And, and Krishna says, it's lust. So the dividing line we spoke of last time, the dividing line between the spiritual and material world is desire. So it's this transformation of our pure desire to please the Lord, please the Lord's senses, perverted into, you know, pleasing, you know, gratifying our own senses. And Prabhupada often would spoke of extended selfishness, even in the name of so many isms, 
um, communism or whatever ism you want to call it, nationalism, it's all, it's, it's based on trying to satisfy the senses, maybe not of your own, but of your family members, your community, your nation. Um, but, the, but the general principle is, is uh, sense gratification. So um, real renunciation, um, and, and it, as Daryl Prabhu was mentioning in his class about the higher taste, um, when we read, there's a nice verse in the Brahma Sabhita. It says, uh, let me see if I can remember the beginning of it. Ananda chinmaya rasamataya manasu yaprani nam patipalam smaratam ubejya lilai ditena bhuvanani jayatjajasram govindamahi bhushan tamam vajami. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta's eloquent you know, translation of, you know, the, that by, recoll by recollection of Krishna's pastimes, or how does he say it? He says, in the mind, uh, I can't remember how he phrases it, but it's, you know, but being reflected in the mind of recollecting souls, Krishna's pastimes, enables one to conquer over the material energy. So it's this charming uh, Nagaraj Prabhu, you know Nagaraj from Alachua, Daryl. He was uh, given a really nice class in Vrindavan recently, and he was talking about, you know, we hear about all these different forms of Godhead, all these Vishnu forms and different incarnations, and but what is it about Krishna that is so exquisitely charming is, is his sweetness, Madhurya. And Lord Chaitanya is Krishna, but there's this special feature also of Adarya, of magnanimity. So, but it's this charming sweetness that really just softens the heart. Um, the Lord's pastimes, they, they literally melt our hearts. And uh, Anantadeva Prabhu gave me this uh, uh, recording of uh, Damodar reciting the Chaitanya Charitamrita from, it used to be from New Vrindavan, but and it's so sweet, the pastimes of the Lord. You can't, it's so charming and so, um, it's the pinnacle of the philosophy. It's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is Acharya Leela, Krishna coming in the form of the devotee and exhibiting um, how to execute devotional service, specifically in this age, Kali. But the loving dealings between the Lord and his devotees they're so captivating. Everybody's crying and embracing and shivering. And I mean, it's all that's going on is just ecstasy. And Sarvabhama Bhattacharya, he, you know, upon being converted from his, he was a logician and a mayavad and so on. And he, when he was converted by Lord Chaitanya, he, uh, he recited this Sarvabhama Shataka, these hundred verses. And these verses are so sweet. Um, there's this one section where there's this refrain of uh, in the first one in the section there's about ten verses and he said uh, Sri Gaurasundra is the friend of the universe uh, he is most compassionate the giver of the holy name his bright attractive golden form is filled with supreme sweetness his smile is enchanting and the glance from his lotus eyes is very cooling the words from his mouth are like are, are full of love and are like nectar. May that Sri Gaurachandra, who is the best amongst the dancers, please manifest in my heart. Sri Gaurasundra, the characteristics of Sri Gaurasundra are most sweet. He simply teaches the holy names. It is well known within the whole, within all the three worlds, that he is the only giver of love. And his transcendental body is filled with shivering. 
and he attracts the minds of all. May that Lord, Lord Chandra, who's the best amongst the dancers, kindly manifest in my heart. So these, these characteristics of Lord Chaitanya and his pastimes, this is the higher taste. This is what enables us to, to our attachment to the Lord equals detachment from matter. It's not a question of just gritting your teeth and trying to push out the sense objects, although in the beginning, some of that is required. You know, we have to sort of bite the bullet, as they say, and <coughs> until, until our attachment for Krishna matures, but, but that's the real, our aspiration is to, is to develop our attachment to Krishna, especially in the form of his holy name and, and hearing about his pastimes. Uh, Rupa Goswami describes the essence of all advice is to utilize one's full time nicely hearing and chanting the name, fame, form, and qualities of the Lord. And that way, engaging your tongue and mind. And this way, you reside in Vrindavan, Goloka Vrindavan, and, and serve Krishna under the guidance of devotees. One should follow in the footsteps of the Lord's beloved devotees who are deeply attached to his devotional service. So this, this is actually the mercy of the pure devotees, this to become attracted to Krishna, this great fortune that's spoken of throughout the Shastra, this great fortune is to develop some attraction for Krishna. So this is, this is our real asset, that we have some attraction to Krishna and to cultivate that more and more. My Guru Maharaj, he described that, just like if you get a credit card in the mail, if you sign up for a credit card, it comes with this letter that says, call now or go online to activate the card. So it's the credit or the, the wealth is accessible, but, but you, ha you have to take a step, you have to activate it. So the mercy of the great acharyas is available to everyone, but we have to sort of activate it. That, and that means we have to cultivate this intense desire for that mercy, that, that loyal, that we were speaking, you know, the desire that that divides the material and spiritual world, um, now being misdirected towards sense gratification, has to be transformed back into love. But the way that that is specifically done is to develop this, this yearning for the mercy of pure devotees. And when we hear these prayers, just like Bhakti Minotakur, there's so many, so many instances where devotees, like with Morari Gupta, he couldn't give up his worship of Lord Ramachandra. And he was ready to give up his life. Lord Chaitanya told him, why are you worshiping Lord Ramachandra? You should worship Krishna. He's the source of everything. But Murari Gupta was so attached to the worship of his Lord, but then he was attached to Lord Chaitanya too, so he was conflicted. How can I give up? I'm so attached to serving Lord Ramachandra. So he actually prayed the night before, take my life away. I cannot give up my my service to Lord Ram and Lord Chaitanya was so charmed. He said, Again, you are Hanuman, you know, you are the incarnation of Hanuman. So, so when we develop this intense desire, um, which comes out of a necessity that I'm, I'm, I'm floundering helplessly in the material world, I need the mercy of the great souls to have my Krishna consciousness, to be invested with power of devotional service. It comes by the grace of, of our great Acharyas. So, anyone have a comment or question, reflection, etc.?
have a question about the third vertebra. Is it possible to go back to the third vertebra translation of this verse? And a little bit more. All the way the word for word? Or no, the purpose. A little bit more. Okay. So here's a little bit more. Okay. In other words, there is enjoyment of the association of opposite sex, but there's no sexual relationship. So one thing, as I understand, is that even associating, you know, subtle association is also um, not very good, right? So how is that? Yeah, there is enjoyment of the association of the opposite sex. Um, what, what do they say that beyond my pay grade, you know, how that actually, you know, not being a liberated soul, but it's hard for me to, I could only give some kind of theoretical. Do you have some realization, Joe? Well, first thing is, it's a spiritual world. Nobody has a material body. Mm. Nobody has material senses. And no one is uh, pressed by material desire. <clears throat> because our material desire to enjoy is a transformation of our original love of God, the desire of the soul to love Krishna. So there in the spiritual world, no one has this pressing problem. Everyone's loving Krishna just naturally. But everything is easy. There's like, there's no tension. There's no expectation. There's no pressure. You know, like in the in relationship where uh, they say, oh, I just want to be friends. So everyone is like that. They're friends. And they're serving Krishna together. So there's, there's no pressure. There's no expectation. There's no necessity. There's no inclination for any type of material enjoyment or sense gratification. The yeah. atmosphere is pure and everyone's heart is pure. So it just, it's, it's just, it's a different, uh, it's a different reality than what we experience here. So there's no problem. There's no right. Yeah, it's Shuddha Sattva. There's, it's pure goodness. So, you know, material attraction is passion, you know, that impels one to one who Prabhupada describes, you know, in the third chapter in the Gita, you know, that, that passion, it forces one to touch and, you know, engage. And so, uh, because the spiritual world is devoid of passion, even devoid of, you know, I mean, it's, it's goodness, but it's no tinge of, of passion. But yeah, they're self-satisfied. Everyone is fully is full and complete and satisfied in their loving relationship with Krishna. There's there's nothing impelling one. Like <coughs> it, it it seems like in the material world, the idea is that you're not satisfied. You want to acquire something outside of yourself to gratify your your senses. But if you're full in yourself, just like. The ocean is full, is so deep that even though so many rivers are entering into it, uh, the ocean's not disturbed. So, and, and, and also, even the desire, I mean, this is maybe a little off track, but when Rupa Goswami says that uh, a sober person who can tolerate the urge to speak, the mind's demands, the actions of anger, the urges of the tongue, valley, and generals, 
is qualified to make disciples all the world. Rupa Goswami doesn't say he doesn't have the urges, it's that he tolerates. So the material, as long as we have a material body, there's going to be urges. So if you don't have a material body, there's those urges aren't there. Thank you very much. Yes, Prabhu. I was thinking of the spiritual body is an indication of the consciousness. So the consciousness is that everybody, you're seeing everybody else as, as in a relationship with Krishna. Like everybody, everybody we're relating to, we're seeing. So we can enjoy in that way, because we can enjoy the emotional natures of the different devotees' characteristics in relationship with Krishna. So it's, it's not like um, thinking the other person as being possessed by me, hmm. but seeing them as being <coughs> Krishna, and seeing them in a relationship, always seeing them in a relationship with their relationship with Krishna. Yeah, because as long as there's, my Guru Maharaj, he said, just like a, if, if, if a young man is dating a, you know, a, a young woman and he goes over to the house and knocks on the door and the father opens the door and he said, oh, I'm here to take your daughter on a date. And she says, oh yeah, come on in. So then they sit down, the young man and young woman sit down in the uh, living room and the father just stays there like, okay, carry on. Like, you know, like they can't really enjoy <laughs> because the father's there. So if we're conscious of Krishna, you really can't, you can't exploit anyone because you realize, well, Krishna's right there. So Krishna, to facilitate our desire to exploit, he veils himself. His, his yoga maya, he, he removes himself to facilitate our desire to enjoy separately from him. He covers our consciousness of his presence, even though he's present he's present within every atom, he's present in our heart. He's, Krishna says, I manifest everywhere in my impersonal form, he's inside, he's outside, he's everything. So there's no question of exploiting um, another living entity, if we're conscious of Krishna. So the very, the very principle of material sense gratification means uh, you want to kick Krishna out of the picture. Or, or in other words, he just, he voluntarily steps out of the picture to facilitate our enjoyment. So in the spiritual world, as you were saying, everything, every, everything is seen in relationship to Krishna. So there's no exploitation, there's no, there's nothing separate from Krishna, and we're just seeing everyone as paraphernalia of Krishna, and uh, they're actually worshipable. Lord Shiva says even higher than the worship of Vishnu is worship of things in relationship to Vishnu, specifically devotees. So, if you look at someone as an object of worship as opposed to an object of my sense gratification, you know that's a totally different. You said mind, mentality or mindset in the spiritual world. And then to the extent that we have that consciousness in this body, we'll live in the spiritual world. If we have that same consciousness, probably there's this amazing lecture Prabhupada was talking about, you know, in a, in a higher sense, there really is no material world. I mean, even though Krishna says there's this inferior ex, external energy, 
But when someone is Krishna conscious, um, Krishna can transform matter into spirit and spirit into matter. They're all divine. There's no inferior or superior from Krishna's side. They're all divine. So when we are in spiritual Krishna consciousness, um, then you lose the desire even for liberation because I'm already liberated. I'm in the spiritual world because I see everything in relationship to Krishna. And the only reason I really would want to go back to God is because if that would give Krishna pleasure. You know, I was speaking with Durlava Darshan Prabhu and he was talking about how he's, he's conflicted because he wants to experience the bliss of chanting the holy name. And I said, well, if that's pleasing to Krishna, Krishna wants us to be happy. So if, if we think in terms of, it's my service to Krishna to be happy, that will be pleasing to Krishna. Then there's nothing wrong with that. But but it's the it's sort of it's a very subtle point that if if you're actually thinking that it's not, we're not supposed to be miserable, <laughs> even though the material world is dukkha and mishasutam, it's temporary and miserable. Krishna wants us to be happy. He wants us to come home. But coming home is more a uh, an attitude. And then Krishna, and then it's regardless. Well, who was it, Parvati, when he said the devotees of Lord Vishnu, they're so exalted, they can go to heaven, they can go to hell, it doesn't matter. They're completely absorbed in serving Krishna, it doesn't, regardless of where they are. So this level of consciousness is just, it's like amazing. Like, and, and that is the gift, that's the treasure that's available, that where you, you can be fulfilled and you never have to worry, you know, hanker, no... No hankering or lamenting, you know, it, it's fully satisfied and it's only increasing. Your happiness is only increasing every moment. Whereas in the material world, it's the law of diminishing return. The more you try to enjoy, the more you suffer. You know, the more you eat, the more your belly gets full, the more you suffer, you know. Whereas in the spiritual world, it's just ever increasing, ever increasing, ever increasing. So what a, what, you know, what a... Uh, we won the lotto, you know, it's like we, we've got the ultimate gift and, and the, the ultimate fortune. And Prabhupada said, you know, I, you know, just accept this gift and, and give it to others. You know, and that way it increases. You know, Lord Chaitanya is breaking open the storehouse of the love of God, distributing the fruits of love of God. And the more you distribute it, the more it increases in your heart. Thank you very much, Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Geet. Krishna.